Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is officially in full swing. All of your odds, bets, props, and parlays are available with betonline.ag. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It is a Wednesday, September 14th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. We have got a fantabulous show coming at you here today on a Wednesday. We are going to spend the episode today talking about the suspension slash punishment handed down from the NBA to Phoenix Suns owner or governor. NBA has governor. Really, all sports have governors. I should start training myself to stop saying owners and start saying governor. Uh, Governor Robert Sarver who, if you followed this story, and we've talked with Morgan from Australia about this, and the initial reporting was very thorough by ESPN, talking about Robert Sarver and the toxic workplace within the Phoenix Suns. Public pressure brought an investigation into Phoenix, and once public pressure was applied to an investigation, all of the gross details of Robert Sarver's ownership, which had been pretty public common common knowledge at least within NBA circles, going back about 15 to 20 years, that things were just ran differently in Phoenix, and differently than, say, what a well-run, respected organization might uh, run. I'm not going to name names because I don't know what goes on behind closed doors in many of these organizations. Just what you might expect from a, a workplace that supports and enables its employees, and just the general corporate workplace in America, which is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It just leans, at least in the past 20 years, where change is governed by the dollar, and the dollar has moved to a place where you need to treat employees better than you did back, well, I mean, not pay-wise, but at least within the workplace, you treat employees a little bit better no uh, gender, out, no outright gender discrimination like the lazy kind of discrimination where, as we're going to talk about with Robert Sarver, you have comments of, um, you know, talking about women's appearances and snarky comments about how women behave in the workplace. Uh, the lazy racism like Robert Sarver saying the N-word five times out loud. The, the lazy kinds of 
racism and misogyny that go beyond uh, equal pay and microaggressions and things that might make a workplace incredibly uncomfortable on the smaller level than, say, the easy, outlandish, outright racist or misogynistic stuff like saying misogynistic things or saying the n-word which is lazy racism and lazy misogyny that ultimately will be the headline that sets the precedent for uh, what is the maximum punishment the nba can give without removing robert sarver as the owner which we will also talk about that towards the back end of the show Let's begin by talking about the decision that was handed down from the NBA. This is uh, courtesy of Baxter Holmes of ESPN, who I believe did the original reporting. Um, Yes, Baxter Holmes uh, did do the original reporting from ESPN on September. Oh, I'm sorry, November 4th, 2021. So about 10 months ago, he released the story, which we talked about when it came out. Uh, We talked with Morgan from Australia about it last year when the original reporting came out. We followed that for about a week during football season. I think we did two full podcasts about this, and then it went away while the investigation was going on, and then 10 months later, the investigation's findings are released, and it becomes a story once again because holding powerful people accountable sometimes takes a longer process than uh, the general news cycle is willing to keep up with. So this is from Baxter Holmes, uh, the the report on Monday, because again, Baxter Holmes did the original reporting for ESPN about Robert Sarver and the toxic workplace overseen by the Phoenix Suns. Robert Sarver, owner of the NBA's Phoenix Suns and WNBA's Phoenix Mercury, has been suspended one year and fined $10 million by the NBA as a result of an investigation into the Suns franchise. The NBA announced the punishment Tuesday, saying the investigation found that during his time with the Suns and Mercury, Sarver used the N-word at least five times when recounting the statements of others. There were also, quote, "...instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees." including sex-related comments and inappropriate comments on employees' appearances. The NBA commissioned an investigation after ESPN published a story in November 2021 detailing allegations of racism and misogyny during Sarver's 17 years as owner. While the NBA states that Sarver cooperated fully with the investigative process, league sources told ESPN's Baxter Holmes himself and Adrian Wojnarowski he was unaccepting of the idea he deserved a one-year suspension and $10 million fine for his behavior. The punitive part of the process became largely acrimonious, sources said, which checks out. The investigation, led by the New York-based law firm Watchell Lipton, found that Sarver engaged in conduct that clearly violated common workplace standards as reflected in team and league rules and policies. The Suns said in a statement that they are committed to creating a safe, respectful, and inclusive work environment that is free of discrimination and harassment. They added that at the direction of senior leadership, they have strengthened their culture and focused on creating a workplace where everyone feels included and valued. The investigation included interviews with more than 320 current and former employees, as well as Sarver. It also examined more than 80,000 documents and other materials, including emails, text messages, and videos. The report was made publicly available online. We'll come back to that in a minute. Quote, It's barely a slap on the wrist and shows us the league truly doesn't stand for diversity, equity, or inclusion, a former staffer who spoke to ESPN for the initial 2021 story told ESPN. I'm grateful to have the validation after being told I was insane, a bitch, and being dramatic. 
That definitely lets me breathe a little. But I'm angry. The league failed us when they had the opportunity to stand behind its values. During Sarver's tenure, the investigation found that he, on at least five occasions, repeated the N-word when recounting the statements of others, engaged in instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees, made many sex-related comments in the workplace, made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical conduct towards male employees, engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including yelling and cursing at them. The release noted that the investigation, quote, made no finding Mr. Sarver's workplace misconduct was motivated by racial or gender-based animus, end quote. The Suns granted access to human resources records and thousands of internal emails, the sources said. Specialists from Deloitte, a global accounting firm headquartered in London, and Kirkland and Ellis, a Chicago-based law firm, were also involved in the investigation. Adam Silver said in a statement, the statements and conduct describing the findings of the independent investigation are troubling and disappointing. We believe the outcome is a right one, taking into account all the facts, circumstances, and context brought to light by the comprehensive investigation of this 18-year period and our commitment to upholding proper standards in NBA workplaces, end quote. Well, Silver continued, quote, I'm hopeful that the NBA community will use this opportunity to reflect on what this great game means to people everywhere, values of equality, respect, and inclusion that it strives to represent. Regardless of position, power, or intent, we all need to recognize the corrosive and hurtful impact of racially insensitive and demeaning language and behavior. On behalf of the entire NBA, I apologize to all of those impacted by the misconduct outlined in the investigator's report. We must do better, end quote. The $10 million fine is the maximum penalty permitted by the NBA. Funds will be donated to organizations addressing race and gender-based issues in and outside the workplace. During his suspension, Sarver may not be present at any NBA or WNBA facility, attend or participate in any WNBA or NBA event or activity, including games, practices, or business partner activity, represent the Sun, Suns or Mercury in any public or private capacity, have any involvement with business or basketball operations, have any involvement in the business governance or activities of either NBA or WNBA, including attending or participating in meetings of either league boards and their associate board committees. Sarver must also complete training program focused on respect and appropriate conduct in the workplace. The Suns and Mercury organization must fulfill a series of requirements for the workplace set forth and monitored by the NBA. These requirements include retaining an outside firm to evaluate and make recommendations with respect to workplace training programs, policies, and procedures, and hiring and, and compensating practices with a focus on fostering diverse, inclusive, and respectful workplace, conducting regular anonymous workplace culture surveys, immediately reporting to the league any instances or allegations of significant misconduct by any employee, for a period of three years provide the league with regular reports related to steps taken by the organization to address these requirements, follow league direction for remediation improvement of workplace issues if they arise. The investigation also substantiated instances of workplace misconduct engaged in by Suns employees that were not directly related to Sarver and a lack of proper organizational policies and controls. It found instances of racial insensitivity, mistreatment of female employees, inappropriate commentary related to sex or sexual orientation, and disrespectful communications. 
It also found that the team's human resources department was historically ineffective and not a trusted resource for employees who are subjected to acts of inappropriate and improper workplace conduct. So there are a couple points that I would like to circle back to here in the story. And then the most important ones are that Robert Sarver, as um, the, the outlined, he, he has a statement about disagreeing and would like to apologize for his words. Baxter Holmes and Adrian Wojnarowski set forth that he was unaccepting of the idea that he deserved a one-year suspension and a $10 million fine, and that the prepared statement was crea- was created by publicists in or I mean obviously the prepared statement was pr- crafted by publicists in order to say the right thing coming out of such an investigation. So Robert Sarver suspended against his will and the 10 million dollar fine hurts him because if you are unaware that the Phoenix Suns are a notoriously cheap organization. They uh, have said that they believe they can find value within the margins by being the only team in the NBA to not have a developmental league team or a G League team, and that is more so just to be cheap than it is anything else. And so uh, the Phoenix Suns, who again, they made the NBA Finals and other than the last two years, missed the playoffs for 10 consecutive years, the second longest streak in the NBA are a team that is notoriously cheap and has a toxic workplace that ultimately is supposedly going to be addressed by these investigations and there will be a more thorough and substantial hiring process and cultural overhaul despite the fact that the person overseeing the toxic workplace and doing most of the hirings uh, will continue to be the same person. The other part I wanted to circle back to and I mentioned it um, we'll come back around to this in a second, is that the NBA did make the findings publicly available, which is something that did not happen in the Dan Snyder investigation with the NFL. And there's a lot of similar precedents between Dan Snyder and the NBA. So for those who don't know, if we're going back to 2014, which was when the Donald Sterling banning from the NBA because the owners didn't want him around anymore and not because he said the n-word on camera donald sterling removal from the nba at the time the maximum punishment that could exist for owners was one million dollars for toxic workplace misconduct after that the punishment increased to 2.5 million dollars and the same happened in the nfl and then after the mark cuban investigation which we will readdress in a little bit the fines ended up going up to $10 million. Uh, and when the NBA changed their precedent, the NFL followed suit with such a precedent. Those are just the two leagues that I know about. And so Robert Sarver getting a $10 million punishment is the exact same punishment that Dan Snyder got when the NFL released its findings on its investigation last year because it was the maximum punishment allowed under the, the uh, I think, collective bargaining agreement, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure whether that's collectively bargained or that's just a league policy thing. $10 million fine is the maximum penalty, and Dan Snyder was quietly away from the Washington football team or the Washington racial slurs, as I like to call them. The Washington racial slurs for 18 months, essentially, and the team was ran on autopilot, and his wife represented the team at any league functions and he was essentially out of the organization's 
workplace for 18 months, two football seasons, once the Washington Post started digging into uh, reporting on Dan Snyder's toxic workplace history, his personal sexual assaults, of which there are two pending sexual assault cases against Dan Snyder, one that was settled back in 2011, one that I believe the statute of limitation may have passed, yet is still publicly known and being brought up in reporting that it like really good journalism that's uncovered this stuff toxic workplace that's led to dozens of people within Washington getting fired um, it's, it's been a, a congressional investigations trying to get some sort of pressure on the NFL to force Dan Snyder to sell Dan Snyder has power in this respect because he's litigious and because the other owners do not want to remove Dan Snyder because they don't want to set the precedent of removing him and then having it be uncovered that Dan Snyder's willing to burn the whole thing to the ground in exchange for, you know, being forced to sell his team because he still wants to own the team and because Robert Sarver still wants to own the team and it's a private business. There is no... There is no accountability measure in place in order to remove such a person and so there is very little precedent that this will change the corporate culture of the phoenix suns in such a way that it's going to be a net positive obviously there are going to be steps that are going to be taken to create oversight that clearly was not being done by the phoenix suns and perhaps was being enabled by the president the ceo the owner of the team enabling bad behavior because there wasn't a direct oversight whether from management or from the people who are being hired or in some of these cases the people who engage in this behavior themselves are the ones who are being hired to do such jobs which we'll talk about that again when it comes to the case of Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks and there is not a desire within the NBA power structure to remove Sarver altogether. When Donald Sterling got removed in 2014, NBA owners wanted the move to happen because NBA owners were tired of Donald Sterling being an embarrassment to the NBA for many years. And there's been Dozens of, or not dozens, I've heard three great shows that have been done about this. There was a, remember when Quibi was a thing? Uh, Chris Paul made a piece about Donald Sterling where there's a great line in there where it talks about like, there's the bait, there's the racism we all agree is wrong. And then when we start to talk about housing discrimination and pay discrimination and wage discrimination, and we talk about um, social, um, social and cultural discrimination where we talk about political discrimination. We can talk about the types that are more uh, structural than they are what I call lazy racism or lazy misogyny where, yes, Robert Sarver says the N-word. Yes, Robert Sarver makes rude comments to women about their weight and what they wear. And everyone agrees that those are wrong. And so it's the easy thing to punish. It's a precedent setter that's easy to make punishments for because if we want to start addressing the systemic issues, you're going to see everyone back down because most people don't, or not most people, there, there isn't a common agreement on the fact that systemic issues when it comes to race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, that structural discrimination exists. 
And so because when we start talking about white power and we start talking about male power and we start talking about structural issues, it becomes more complex and nuanced and it's talking about rebuilding entire structures and foundations. And as we've seen over the past three years, at least I've seen over the past three years, this has been going on for hundreds of years, as we've seen since the summer of George Floyd on forward, which was, as far as I'm aware, the most powerful cultural movement when it comes to addressing systemic discrimination when it comes to race and uh, gender and sexual orientation and religion, that when we start to talk about the nuances of structural discrimination, it starts to fall apart a bit. But the easy way to get the got get people who are got comes from uh, punishing Robert Sarver or punishing Donald Sterling or punishing Dan Snyder for the blatant discriminatory practices that violate a social norm and violate any sort of common decency, morals, and ethics, and whatever the corporate culture that exists in America today is. And the third point, this leads me into the third point that I wanted to touch on from this piece, which is the people who have been talking with Baxter Holmes, and uh, there's an Arizona Republic or... uh, Arizona Central or Arizona Republic, I want to make sure I know uh, who released the story today right before the investigation dropped, and uh, Arizona Central, release, uh, the newspaper released a story uh, based on the, uh, the, twe- the Twitter thread and comments made by people who have come forward and in some cases violated non-disclosure agreements. One of the people who they talk about is Ashley Silva who used to work for the Suns, came forward publicly and talked about her experience with the Suns. And it is a case where people both anonymously with Baxter Holmes and uh, both publicly on Twitter and reported by the Arizona Central with Ashley Silva, you see that people who are not okay with the punishment that was handed down. I want to find the direct quote again uh, real quick from the ESPN story, which is, quote, it's barely a slap on the wrist and shows us the league doesn't truly stand for diversity, equity, or inclusion. I'm grateful to have the validation of being told I was, of after being told I was insane, a bitch, and being dramatic. That definitely lets me breathe a little, but I'm angry. The league failed us when they had the opportunity to stand behind its values. And a current staffer, this is the third person who spoke to ESPN, says, I am so fucking mad. So are many others. And I want to read the the Twitter thread that Ashley Silva put forward yesterday before the NBA decided to release the findings today. Dear NBA, I know it's not a priority for you at this point. A lot of us trusted you, broke our NDA, and were traumatized all over again speaking to the attorneys you assigned because we thought you'd do the right thing. Phoenix Suns, you've let hundreds down. I can't believe they're just sweeping it under the rug. Would not be the right move given we can share our stories in the media. I'm still proud I spoke up. I'm not sure what's next. The right thing to do is to keep speaking the truth. I was fine to move on, but the NBA brought us back through it, and they need to follow through. And then we have the findings being released by the NBA following the 10-month investigation. And... This is a point that I want to focus on is that the NBA did the maximum punishment that they could without removing Robert Sarver as president, and it was not enough. 
because all of these NBA rules are made up on the fly, collectively bargained, and create the illusion of an accountability system for people who get caught with lazy racism or lazy misogyny or the the transparent ways that we see where everyone agrees racism is bad, misogyny is bad, the easy points where someone says the N-word five times or someone makes comments about a woman's weight and what they're wearing in the workplace. These are the easy points that get punished with a $10 million fine and a $1 million or one-year suspension, whereas you have a case of structural and systemic discrimination that goes beyond the day-to-day interactions, such as what we're talking about with Dan Snyder and the Washington racial slurs, in addition to the transparent stuff that got a dozen people fired within the Washington racial slurs and Dan Snyder a $10 million fine and 18 months of being excommunicated from the league. And the reason this is the maximum punishment without removal is because in the made-up system of the NBA Board of Governors or the NFL Board of Governors or baseball or hockey or major professional sports leagues, they have agreed upon this arbitrary rule that if three-fourths or 75% of the governors decide to remove an NBA owner or a Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, professional sports leagues in America, if 75% of the owners elect to remove someone, then they have the power to force a sale and work for removal. And when the NBA in 2018 or 2014 decided to ban Donald Sterling for life, there's the famous clip of Adam Silver saying, I am banning Donald Sterling for life. It's because, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, the NBA wanted, the owners of the NBA wanted him gone because Donald Sterling had been embarrassing the NBA for 20 to 30 years. And this was the gotcha moment that ultimately could give the, make the NBA look powerful in making the most strong stand against an owner who got caught on camera saying the N-word. You, and there had been all sorts of creepy behavior to racist, misog- discriminatory, outright. Um, if you know the story about Donald Sterling, Donald Sterling, there's a great 30 for 30 by Ramona Shelburne that uh, it's a podcast that talks about Donald Sterling. And like I said, there's a quibby piece uh, with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and they are uh, sorry, Chris Paul and DeAndre, Chris Paul and somebody. I can't remember who it was. It didn't involve Blake Griffin. I think, oh, Doc Rivers. Chris Paul and Doc Rivers did like a Quibi project talking about uh, the Clippers and Donald Sterling. And from the Ramona Shelburne piece, it talks about how Donald Sterling got his wealth by redlining black people out of housing districts in Los Angeles. And... Then in the 1980s, with his real estate money, bought a basketball team, moved it to Los Angeles, ran it into the ground for 30 years, and continued to be discriminatory and parade black players around like they were property. And all of the gross practices that had existed for years, they finally had a reason to remove Donald Sterling that could be documented, captured on camera, and would be publicly popular. And when they were making the decision to remove, Leslie Alexander, who used to be the owner of the Rockets, said publicly, 
I don't want this guy around anymore. And either he will sell the team voluntarily or the NBA will step in, vote to remove him. And and that would be one of the first cases ever of being forced to remove an owner. And so the NBA didn't have to step in because the wife of Donald Sterling got a doctor to confirm that he, or got two doctors to confirm that he was suffering from dementia and um, brain uh, diseases. And so she got uh, control over the team in terms of decision-making by deeming him not medically well enough to make decisions. And then she worked to sell the team with Steve Ballmer. It's a crazy story. Again, the 30 for 30 with Ramona Shelburne. I'll link it in the description of this episode. It's really good in talking about Donald Sterling. And that got Donald Sterling removed. And when they were working to remove Donald Sterling, Mark Cuban, who is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks and Shark Tank guy and Jazz Hands, popular owner guy, uh, he was the person who came forward and said that the NBA would be a better league without Donald Sterling and he didn't want to cross the slippery slope of removing an owner. And Mark Cuban unintentionally laid bare all of the power structures and power dynamics within professional sports that are privately owned. Uh, This is from Tim McMahon in 2014, just to circle back around to Mark Cuban's quote directly. Quote, this is from Mark Cuban. I think there's a league constitution for a reason, right? Which is just made up. I'm just ad-libbing that. But back to Mark Cuban. I think there's a league constitution for a reason, right? Cuban said after game four of the Mavericks Spurs series in 2014, because this is a very slippery slope. What Donald said was wrong. It was abhorrent. There's no place for racism in the NBA, any business I'm associated with, and I don't want to be associated with people who have that position. But at the same time, that's a decision I make. I think you've got to be very, very careful when you start making blanket statements about what people say and think as opposed to what they do. It's a very, very slippery slope. Again, there's no excuse for his positions. There's no excuse for what he said. There's no excuse for anybody to support racism. There's no place for it in our league, but there's a very, very, very slippery slope, end quote. And four years later, Sports Illustrated released an exclusive with John uh, John Wertheim and Jessica Luther. Jessica Luther's done all kinds of reporting uh, on stories like this and LSU and Deshaun Watson, uh, cases of assault and stor- women being uh, women being discriminated against, abused in the workplace. She's done great work. She released a, a Twitter thread many years, ago, or I think it was a year ago, talking about how to talk about issues of women who have been assaulted, women who have been discriminated against, and women who have been uh, either sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, verbally assaulted, emotionally assaulted, whatever we're talking about, women's issues in male-dominated sports, there are certain ways to talk about it, and that's been incredibly informative for me in talking about Deshaun Watson and talking about uh, Dan Snyder and the LSU story that came out a couple years ago where we followed that for about six different podcasts. It's been incredibly helpful in learning how to talk about an issue that I genuinely care about, and If I'm privileged enough to one day assume power in some capacity, I would like to work to, I would personally like to work to improve the cause of putting women in a position of power within the sports 
landscape and within the corporate cultures of America that, as we see all the time, are wrought with not just the out the what I call lazy misogyny or lazy discrimination, but the structural race uh, structural discrimination and structural misogyny uh, that ultimately makes it difficult for women to rise within power and makes it difficult for male power and male privilege to um, work to be undermined and continue to build an inclusive work environment. And so Jessica Luther is involved in this piece that comes out in 2018 talking about how the president of the Dallas Mavericks for a decade under Mark Cuban had a well-known history of being sexually predatory. And uh, I'm going to read the direct quote here. The employee was startled. This is after, uh, I'm going to read the, this case here, where a, f- a female employee is e- is um, eating at a, uh, is eating dinner in the media dining room but during right before a 2010-2011 game for the Mavericks. This is during the Mavericks championship season. Uh, the team CEO and president, Terdema Uziri, asks if he could join her. She grew nervous, not because Uziri was her boss's boss or because he was one of the most prominent figures in the Dallas sportscape. It was because his reputation as a serial sexual harasser of women preceded him. At this meal with ESPN crew members seated nearby, Uziri struck up an unusual conversation. Uh, Uziri claimed that he knew what she was going to do over the coming weekend. When the woman asked confusedly what he meant, Uziri smiled, You're going to get gangbanged, aren't you? No, the woman responded, I'm going to the movies with friends. No, Uziri said, you're definitely getting gangbanged. The employee was startled and not surprised when she first accepted her job with the Mavericks in 2010. She shared the news with her local Dallas women's running group. Instead of congrats, she recalled she received warnings. Watch out for the president, one friend said. Whatever you do, don't get trapped in an elevator with him. When the woman recounted the dining room exchange to female colleagues at the Mavs, they too were something other than shocked. One shared that Uziri had repeatedly propositioned her for sex, even offering to leave his marriage if the woman relented, an account the second woman confirmed to Sports Illustrated for this story. Another woman shared that Uziri's inappropriate behavior was one of the reasons she was quitting her sales job after more than a decade. It was a real-life animal house, said one former organization employee who left recently after spending roughly five years with the Mavs. And I only say was because I'm not there anymore. I'm sure it's still going on. Uziri, who left the Mavericks in 2000, who left Mark Cuban's Mavericks in 2015, was hardly alone. Interviews with more than a dozen former and current Mavericks employees in different departments conducted during months-long Sports Illustrated investigations painted a picture of a corporate culture rife with misogyny and predatory sexual behavior, alleged public fondling by the team president, outright domestic assault by a high-profile member of Mavs.com's staff, unsupportive or even intimidating responses from superiors who heard complaints of inappropriate behavior from their employees, even an employee who openly watched pornography at his desk. Most sources did not want their names used for a variety of reasons, including fear of retaliation and ostracization and limits imposed by agreements that they signed with the team. While sources referred to the Mavericks' office as locker room culture, the team's actual locker room was a refuge, said one female former senior staffer. I dealt with players all the time, had hundreds of interactions with players and never once had an issue. They always knew how to treat people. Then I'd go to the office and it was this zoo, this complete shit show. My anxiety would go down dealing with players. It would go up when I got to my desk. 
A half dozen female former Mavericks or American Airlines Center employees contacted by SI claimed they left the sports sector altogether because of a work environment and structure that left them feeling vulnerable and devalued while protecting and continuing to employ powerful men who misbehaved. Quote, there was a built-in protection for a lot of men, says one former male department head at American Airlines Center. The lack of oversight and compassion within all levels of the business was alarming, end quote. You don't feel safe going to work, and it's not long before you look for another job, says one of the women, now employed in a different sector. And then you wonder why there aren't more women working in sports. Really. So then, following the exact same pattern of behavior that came out with Robert Sarver, in February of 2018, the Sports Illustrated report comes out about the Mavericks' toxic workplace. September 19th, 2018, in the middle of the NBA offseason, you know, today's September 14th. This is September 19th, 2018. They pick a time strategically to release the investigation. Mavericks end up having a $2.5 million fine to Mark Cuban, which at the time was the maximum punishment allowed. Mark Cuban ends up donating $10 million to charity because the NBA agreed that $2.5 million was not strong enough, and so Mark Cuban had to, air quotes, voluntarily donate $10 million to uh, to causes of, uh, I, I believe it was, gen the same case as Robert Sarver, where it's donated to charities to help promote racial and gender-based discrimination. And so you have Mark Cuban saying in 2014, don't want to set the precedent of removing an owner for what they say and what they do. And then four years later, Mark Cuban is the next guy who ends up having his workplace investigated and ultimately gets the largest punishment possible, apologizes to the women, $12.5 million fine, no suspension. Mark Cuban ends up going back to work, keeps his team. And then four years later, same pattern of behavior with Robert Sarver, except in this case, Robert Sarver's more directly implicated than Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's implicated for hiring and protecting men who abuse their power. And Robert Sarver is accused of being the one who directly engages in the behavior. And Robert Sarver gets a one-year suspension and the same fine and the same process of penalties as Mark Cuban. Because in all of these cases, whether it be Dan Snyder or beyond, you have powerful people deciding that they don't want to be implicated in these uh, shall we say, lazy racism, lazy misogyny. That's how I would describe it. They don't want to be caught in a situation where they can have their team removed for behavior that they know is either going on in their organization or they feel they can get got on if someone starts looking into past behaviors around their organizations. And Jerry Richardson very quietly went out in the Carol with the Carolina Panthers without public pub without publicity because Jerry Richardson, was okay taking one for the team when there was reporting that came out and all that we know of about Jerry Richardson asking staff members for massages, um, a lot of gross, like the same stuff that gets Andrew Cuomo removed as governor of New York, uh, the same stuff that we hear about with Matt Lauer at, at um, NBC and Charlie Rose at CBS and powerful people within Hollywood 
uh, abusing their power and using their power as powerful men to uh, prey upon women in lesser positions. A lot of that stuff was going on with Jerry Richardson, and he quietly sells the Carolina Panthers, goes away, and the NFL doesn't have to take measures to either open an investigation or remove him in the first place. And this is a step where Robert Sarver wants to keep the team. The NBA is, according to the made-up constitution that Mark Cuban mentioned in 2014, according to the made-up constitution, the NBA is in a place where they don't want to remove, they don't want to remove Mark Cuban or remove Robert Sarver by force, but they did want to remove Donald Sterling by force. The NFL did want to remove Jerry Richardson. Roger Goodell wants to remove Dan Snyder, and about half of the NFL owners want to remove Dan Snyder, but it's not the arbitrary 75% that would be required to actually remove Dan Snyder. And so when the women, whether it's Ashley Silva publicly yesterday, well, I guess this would be on Sunday, publicly on Sunday comes out and says NBA investigation forces them to relive trauma instead of moving on, and... You have the people working with the Suns and not no longer working with the Suns, but used to talking to Baxter Holmes and saying, this is a slap in the face, and they're so fucking angry about the decision and not giving a strong enough punishment to Robert Sarver. According to the made-up rules, this is the maximum punishment that can be handed out without removing Robert Sarver as owner. And because there isn't a will within the NBA organization to remove Robert Sarver as owner, they won't use this as a gotcha moment and they will protect the power and they will not create accountability measures that will remove NBA owners and create accountability for rich, powerful white men who happen to own these billion-dollar corporations that are professional sports teams. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to today's episode of the Take It Easy podcast. All of the stories that we mention in today's show are linked in the description to this episode. We will talk about this again as further developments move along in this story. Again, we talked about it when the report first came out. We didn't talk about it for 10 months, and then the findings come out, and we obviously do a big detailed story about this. And I want to hold the I want to talk about this with the same fervor uh, when it comes to Robert Sarver and powerful people within management as we talk about it with in labor in part because of the discrepancies of power between management and labor and the fact that management has so many protections in place and accountability measures that even don't exist for rich and powerful labor in sports like Deshaun Watson and like Matt Areza, which are the two cases that we've done long-form discussions about. In fact, we did, as I've mentioned with Deshaun Watson, we've done like 12 Deshaun Watson podcasts. About six of them are still relevant if you want to hear more about that. Uh, We did one in May, three in June, one in July, two in August following the suspensions. We've done a lot of cases about that, the Matt Areza and and colleges and universities failing to protect young people as essentially functioning governments beyond just corporations. Colleges and universities are essentially functionable governments. All of this is are important all of these are important stories and holding powerful people in management accountable for toxic workplaces is just as important as talking about the bad behaviors of labor who don't hold the same level of corrosive power and influence 
over entire billion-dollar corporations that a person like Robert Sarver or Mark Cuban or the administrators at Louisiana State University or Dan Snyder or Jerry Richardson or other or Jerry Jones or powerful people whom we know have engaged in bad behavior, in many cases illegal behavior, morally and ethically damning behavior, holding those people to the same measures of accountability are incredibly important as well. So those are the stories that we follow up on, and uh, I wanted to bring those to light here today on this podcast. Thank you for stopping in, everybody, and take it easy. We will talk to you again tomorrow.